Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Welcome back to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. This is the official kickoff for season three. So thank you guys so much for following and listening to the podcast. I am super pumped that we've been going strong since 2020. Man, it's funny how time flies when you're having fun. Well, I really missed y'all. Some of you have reached out with questions but I miss the weekly interaction, so I'm glad that we are back. So how did you spend your time this summer? Well, if you've been following me on social media, you might have picked up on the fact that I have moved. Yep, my family and I have relocated to the greater Atlanta area, specifically Marietta, Georgia. So I'll be taking on a new role as the division director of maternal fetal medicine for Wellstar Health System. So yeah, big job. I'm starting the division myself. So if you're looking for high-risk care, I'll be there seeing patients starting in November. And if you're in Atlanta, hit me up. I'm new to the area. Let me know some good places to eat and to hang out so I can get acquainted here. So to start off season three, we're going to talk about something serious that we don't talk about enough, and that is suicide prevention. I know we start in this season deep. It's almost like I'm on, oh, that's deep. Go back and listen to that season two. We started that season off too. But it's National Suicide Prevention Week. And although it's not pregnancy, the postpartum period is a very vulnerable time and a time when suicide rates go up. And specifically due to undertreated or untreated postpartum depression and psychosis. So even if you're not postpartum, it's specific to our health and to our survival. So we need to talk about it. Now, growing up, you probably heard murmurs about murmurs about people committing suicide, but it was almost taboo to have a formal discussion about it. And not discussing it meant that someone probably suffered in silence, which could have led to other suicides. Now, think about it. You probably know at least two people who have died from suicide, if not many more than that. My cousin passed away from suicide as a sophomore in high school. Then I had another cousin to die just a few years ago. And whenever I ask questions surrounding the suicides, I've been told things like it's too painful to discuss or my favorite or my family's favorite being from the good old Louisiana family. Just leave it alone. This is also how many of my family members have handled other taboo things in the family like molestation or extramarital affairs, kids that just pop up. Just leave it alone. This is now your new cousin. Leave it alone. 
Yep, I'm telling it all this season because it's time for us to heal and to talk about these things in order to move forward. Now, according to the Suicide Prevention Resource Center, suicide is attempted three times as many times in women, but more likely to be successful in men. And that's largely due to the use of firearms. And this is yet another reason that we need to do something about our gun safety laws in this country. Since 2011, suicide rates have increased in people ages 15 to 44, with the sharpest increase seen in 2019 to 2020 and those 15 to 24 and 25 to 34. So those are the childbearing years. Now, the data doesn't say this, but I can extrapolate that this is largely due to the pandemic and whether that's dealing with the loss of a job or just isolation that has led to this sharp increase um, after 2019. And don't just think this is an adult issue. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in those ages 10 to 14 years old. Yeah, I said it. These are babies that are still dying of suicide. So let's make sure that we check on our children as well to make sure that they're coping. According to the CDC, suicides far outnumber homicides, almost double the rates of homicides. So homicide rate is about 7.8 per 100,000 people. Suicide rate is 13.5 per 100,000 people. So you can see that that's almost double. Now, women who commit suicide are more likely than men to suffer from mental health diagnoses. 22% of men had mental health diagnoses. 38% of women had mental health diagnoses. But you can argue that they all have mental health issues, right? From coping or not being able to cope with the stress of life. But it's important to note that only 33.6% of men and women displayed a depressed mood prior to suicide. Uh, that confuses people because usually you think people that are suicide, su- suicidal are going to look depressed all the time. And there's only a third of people. Two thirds of people didn't even seem depressed. So I recall my cousin, Junior, his actions before he committed suicide. So he took his girlfriend on a vacation, took girlfriend and the girlfriend's child, which wasn't his child on a family vacation a few weeks before he committed suicide. The week he committed suicide, he just seemed so happy. I remember people commenting, they were in disbelief that he committed suicide because he seemed so jovial. He was giving money away that week. It haunts me to this day because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So you're giving your your money away because you know you're not going to use it in the future. But at the time, people thought, oh, He's having a good time. He's celebrating. He's asking his mom to cook a certain meal when he comes back home. Everything is good, right? Then you beat yourself up because you're like, why did not pay attention to those things? And how can you know that this person was suicidal, right? If they're acting okay. Well, here are some warning signs that you can look for, okay? In addition to a depressed mood, somebody saying they're depressed, somebody crying, somebody having difficulty sleeping, um, all of those things changing, uh, you know, weight loss or weight gain that's unprovoked. All of those things are, are symptoms of depression, but they don't necessarily mean somebody's going to commit suicide. So if you see that somebody is making a plan or researching ways to die, you see it on your computer, you see something written down, that should be a warning sign. Withdrawing from friends, saying goodbye, giving away items, that are important to them 
or making a will, those are all things that say, check on this person to figure out why they're doing these things. Taking dangerous risks such as driving extremely fast, that's a warning. Displaying extreme mood swings. So one minute you're super happy, the next minute you're super sad. Eating or sleeping way too much or not at all. Using drugs or alcohol more often. So all of a sudden the life of the party, right? And then a boost of energy after acting depressed or as if having unbearable physical or mental pain. Now all of a sudden they have energy, okay? So they were depressed, they get depressed. And now you see that more often after people get treated actually for depression, they're super depressed. They get on an antidepressant. They feel a little bit better. Now they have the energy to commit suicide and then they commit suicide. So those things are things you have to watch for. Now, if you've lost someone to suicide, don't beat yourself up. It's not your fault. It wasn't your fault then. It's not your fault now. But it's time for us to heal together so that we can prevent the next lost life. All right. So now that we've discussed a little bit more about suicide prevention, know the warning signs and what to look for. Let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 26-year-old who is two weeks postpartum with her second child. Her OBGYN is concerned that her postpartum Edinburgh depression score is high, but attributes it to the patient's known history of depression and doesn't feel comfortable starting an antidepressant because she's breastfeeding. She was sent by her provider for guidance on treatment because she can't get in with her therapist for another two weeks. This sort of eats me up because we know that if somebody just had a baby, we know that they're going to be at risk for postpartum blues and postpartum depression. And people that have a history of depression or anxiety in the past or any other mood condition have a much higher rate of postpartum blues and depression and even psychosis. So remember, postpartum blues is brief. It's gonna, the first two weeks, you feel a little bit down, but you can function. Postpartum depression is gonna last up to six months. And it is, you have severe depressed mood. Sometimes it can be debilitating and you're not functioning. Postpartum psychosis, just that you're seeing things that aren't there. You're hearing things that other people don't hear. You feel things that other people don't feel. So tactile hallucinations, auditory hallucinations, visual hallucinations, in addition to um, the uh, depressed mood or anxiety. So you can have all of those things without even a history of depression or anxiety or any mood disorders, just because of the hormonal imbalance that can happen after you have a baby. So this patient has a history of depression and now she's in a depressed mood afterwards. So I don't know if this is postpartum blues or depression, or if this is just preexisting depression, but regardless, it needs to be treated, right? And because now you have a child that this person is caring for, I would uh, definitely encourage a, a second opinion because this person needs treatment ASAP and should have had treatment all along during the pregnancy. There's been so many providers that are unsure what's safe in pregnancy and what's not. And they've heard these antidepressants can cause different types of birth defects. So they pull the patient off of everything. And in the meantime, people can function during the pregnancy, but afterwards, postpartum depression is a real thing with the with the uh, fluctuation in hormone level. So I always tell people, one, 
even if you don't have a history of depression, I want to see you back within two weeks to do your postpartum depression screen. Two, if you have an Edinburgh score that's high enough for me to think you have postpartum depression, I'm going to recommend that you go to counseling and refer you to somebody. And if it's severe, I'm going to start you on antidepressant. If you have suicidal or homicidal ideation, meaning you have thoughts of harming yourself, harming your baby or harming anybody else in the family, I'm going to admit you to the hospital so you can get counseling there and perhaps some psychological inpatient treatment. So I hate when we bring people back to assess for something and then we assess for something and then we don't know what to do with it. That's, you know, that's that's irresponsible as a provider to say, oh, well, you have this. But you're breastfeeding, so I'm not going to do anything with it. What? Like, you have to treat the acute thing at hand. You know, um, one, there are certain uh, antidepressants that we can use. And we know that the content of that antidepressant is only very, very small in the breast milk. And so it's not going to cause any harm to the baby. So people can breastfeed if they're on things like Wellbutrin or even Zoloft, as long as they're not on any compounded agents. You can breastfeed with that. But if you need to be on multiple agents, guess what? Your health is going to trump breastfeeding, which is the case pearl for this case. Treatment of depression trumps breastfeeding. So if you have to pump and dump and be on antidepressant, so be it. If you have to supplement with formula for you to be in a good mental state, so be it. And so for this patient, I would definitely recommend therapy. But if you've been on an antidepressant and you've come off of it, it's time for you to go back on your antidepressant so that you can be healthy enough to support yourself and your child going forward. All right, medical intern, what's our first email question? Because I know we had a couple of emailed questions. so I wanted to get those in on the show today. This one says, Dr. Plenty, my 16-year-old daughter attempted to commit suicide over the summer by taking a bottle of Tylenol. During counseling, she told me that she had been physically abused by her 17-year-old boyfriend who broke up with her the week before. Now I'm paranoid and feel as if I can't leave her alone even when I'm in the house with her. She's gone to counseling once a week since the attempt, but she still doesn't feel up to doing anything outside of the house. What advice can you give me to help my child heal? How can I know that she is safe when I'm not around? That's a really hard compounded question because, you know, I can't even imagine having a child that tried to commit suicide. I mean, it can happen to any of us. It can happen to the best of parents. It can happen to the worst of parents. And unfortunately, our kids the environment they are around and the environment they're in really influences them. You have a 16 year old that's really hormonal. This is when women start to become women. 16 years old, they're just moving into womanhood. So they're already dealing with a whole bunch of adjustments and hormones, dealing with their cycle, dealing with peer pressure from school. And now you add the, you know, abusive boyfriend onto this. It, it, it can be enough to set anybody over the edge. So one, I want you to say to tell yourself, don't beat yourself up um, about this because this is not anything that you've done. I'm glad that you've taken her to counseling. I think that that's the best thing that you can do for her. The question is, can she, does she need more counseling? Does she need to go more than once a week? I mean, she just had a suicide attempt over the summer. I'm not sure how long ago it's been. I don't know if it's been two weeks ago over the summer, or if it's been two months ago over the summer, time does heal wounds. 
So I would say if it's been, you know, less than a month, she may need to go to counseling a couple of times a week. I would continue to have an open line of communication and dialogue with your child. Um, Perhaps try to do things with your child, expose her to things um, to keep her busy. And also you may want other help around at this time. I mean, this isn't, you know, an acute episode, meaning it just happened. You may want to talk to other family members that you can trust um, that can check in on your child when your child is at home. If you have to go to work, you can also, you know, schedule times to check in with your child and give your child things to do so that she's not very idle. Um, Find out what your child enjoys. But the biggest thing is going to be making sure she gets counseling so you can figure out that root cause. Remind her that her boyfriend breaking up with her is, is nothing that she did. And her boyfriend being abusive is not because she was a bad person or a bad girlfriend. So she needs to know her worth and we have to build up self-esteem, but that's going to take time and that's going to take counseling. And even at 16, I wouldn't be afraid to put my child on an antidepressant if that's something that was brought to my attention as being needed. I know a lot of people don't want to put their children on medication for mood disorders because they're like, they're just children, but we can't have our children being overwhelmed and wanting to harm themselves. So I would follow the advice of, um, of a counselor, a psychiatrist. I would definitely get very frequent check-ins with the counselor. And some of this mom, you're just going to have to trust your instincts. If your instincts tell you to stay at home or have other family around, have somebody else around. Okay. If your instincts tell you that you need to adjust and work from home, adjust and work from home. I would also, she's 16. So she's in school. She's starting school. Now I would make sure I talk to the guidance counselor and have the guidance counselor check in with her once a week as well to make sure that we're starting down a path for planning. You know, she's looking toward the future for the most part. That's the advice I have. And I would definitely encourage you to reach out to the counselor and make sure that she's getting some additional psychological counseling if you think she needs it more frequently. She has not improved at the rate you think she should improve with once a week. All right, medical intern, do we have another email question? We do. It says, Dr. Plenty, my wife suffers from depression. When she gets angry, she often threatens to harm or kill herself. Now that we have a six-month-old baby, we don't argue much, but her mood is so depressed. Since the baby has been born, she doesn't really get out of the bed much. I sometimes come home and find her crying, and she can't explain the reason why. I've asked her to get help, but she says she's fine. I know that that is not the truth. How can I get my wife the help she needs if she won't go to any appointments? This seems like it's been a longer issue, okay? Anytime somebody is threatening to harm or kill themselves, there's something deeper going on there. You know, some people can say, oh, she's doing it for attention, but there's something deeper going on there. And I would argue that she probably needed counseling a really long time ago. The question I would have is how is she treating your child and how is she caring for your child? I would approach it as, hey, I need you to get checked out to be the best mom for our baby. And I would encourage her to go and talk to her OBGYN. Now, before she got there, I would send the OBGYN a MyChart message or call and say, listen, I'm really concerned about my wife. These are the things that she's doing. She's acting very depressed. Can you recommend counseling for her? Okay, just put it out there because sometimes people go to a doctor's office and 
they act like everything's great. Everything's great, especially if they're not with somebody. So you have to be the advocate here. So I would reach out to my OBGYN. If she won't go to the appointment, I would have the OBGYN call her and request that she come in for an appointment. If she gets to the point where she is threatening to kill herself or harm herself with this child, then you have to do what you have to do to protect your child. You don't know if she's being serious or not. I would call 911 and that would make her be um, medically admitted. Okay. Against, even against her will, she would have to um, be admitted for observation for three days to make sure that she is not suicidal or homicidal. And sometimes you have to do that to protect your child and your wife. And I know people, you know, don't want to do that because they're like, that's going to just make them angry. But what's the downfall of that? Okay. The opposite of that is you don't listen. You think that she, you call her bluff by not making her get help. And then you come home one day and your child is, is dead or both of them have committed, you know, she's committed suicide and killed your child. So you have to do be aggressive on this. So you encourage her, hey, go in, have the OBGYN call her, send the OBGYN a note to say, hey, I think my wife is suffering from the severe depression. In the past, she's threatened to heart or kill herself and have the OB talk to her, recommend counseling and or put her on an antidepressant, which seems like she needs to go on anyway. And if she will not go in and she's um, displaying persistent depressed behavior and you're afraid, then you got to do what you have to do, which is call and have her psychologically evaluated. Now, mind you, if she goes in and they do the evaluation, they'll let her go home. It's not like they have her chained to the bed. People think, oh my God, they're going to have her chained to the bed and they're going to force medicine down her throat. That is not what's going to happen, but it will force her to get a medical evaluation. And even if they don't think that she is unstable enough for them to admit her for 72 hours, they will mandate that she goes to get some kind of counseling, which is what you need to happen for this child to be safe because you're not going to be able to be around your wife and child 24 seven. So either she's going to willingly go, or you're going to have to force the evaluation because it's not only a wife's safety, it's your child's safety at hand too. All right, medical intern, do we have any more email cases? And she's shaking her head. No. So you guys, this was a quickie. Thank you guys so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. Go ahead, share the podcast and this episode with your friends and family and tell them to tune in all season long, okay? And go catch up on the other episodes from the two previous seasons because as you can see, it's more than just pregnancy. Now, if you are someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Please email me at pregnancypros at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. And on a serious note, if you know someone suffering in silence or if you are in a depressed mood and considering taking your own life, please, you guys, reach out for help. You are loved. Simply text 988 for the Suicide Prevention Lifeline or call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 to talk to someone now. If you're postpartum, you can reach out to the National Maternal Mental Health Hotline, which is 1-833-9-HELP-FOR-MOMS. That is 1-833-943-5746. And I'll make sure to post these resources on my social media and in my link tree as well so that you can get the help you need. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. 
you are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a Mean Old Lion Media production.